it may seem like a long time that we've been talking with this, with this logo up, talking about our Hero Maker series. I've preached six or seven messages on it, and then we heard from some of the other local and not-so-local heroes that we support, uh, with Jason came and Keith came, and last week Pastor Albert from Ghana came to let us know how the work that we are doing and how we partner with them, that the kingdom of God is advancing that more people are getting the name of Jesus brought to them because of your generosity, because of what we are doing, not just when we come together on Sundays to worship here, but when we intentionally try to turn our focus, not just here, but out of this place, into all of the places where people who are far from God, who are enemies of God, who are antagonistic towards God, Yet they need someone to bring the light of the gospel to them, and that is what we do as a church. That is our mission. And so we want to be hero makers. We don't just want to make our life and our faith about us and what we do, but about other people and about who God wants for you to pour your life into so that they can influence more people for Jesus. That's the shift that we want to make from not just, well, how do I grow in my faith and how do I become stronger in what I know about the Bible and actually doing what Jesus said that we're supposed to do, which are all good things, but when we really grow and when we mature in our faith, as the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and we see this dramatic change happen, it's going to be when we have that shift from self to others. When we think of others more than we think of, of ourselves. And when we do that, like any teacher will do as a teacher is teaching a class or giving a lesson, you learn along the way. This side of heaven, we're always going to be trying to figure it out, our life. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new believer or you're kind of on the fringes of your faith, or maybe your faith has been shattered even though you've been in the church for a long time. We know you have Miss Betty, and we're so glad to see you this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Yes, ma'am. But it's when we, we aren't so worried about ourselves and we're worried about others. Where we make that shift about our investment. Last week, Pastor Al Albert talked about how he already has, I think, six children, and four of them are grown and out of the house, and I think two of his kids are, are younger than Ella, and he said he still wants a couple more, and then I look at him, and I look at me, and I go, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> well, he said, well, I want... The arrows that, I, that God gives me to use to go farther than I ever could. And Albert, joking, but I think kind of serious, said, he's like, we're letting the Muslims outpopulate us. They're having more kids than we are, so we need to have more kids so that we have more believers. And we can do that, but we also need to reach those who are not a part of our biological family, but God has included them, and he wants them to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And when we do that, God's kingdom advances, it's, and we become hero makers of others. Not just what God wants to do through us, but what God wants to do through you and your family and your influence in the lives of other people. In his book, Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell put it this way. He said, to create one contagious movement, you often have to create many small movements first. Sometimes we're looking for this great, big, huge momentum shift and change to happen. If we might get this enormous windfall that could come in and help us, we think that the tides would shift and that we would be on a better direction. But what often happens, if we're going to sustain something, and it's going to continue. For those of us in the church, we know we're doing that with God's work, we're doing God's will with the Spirit leading and directing us. But it's not just about that one big tipping point, but it's about this, all these little small victories that we can see. 
and how those build and how those get us momentum. And what I want to talk about today is just talk about a challenge, a simple, relatively simple anyway, hero maker challenge for all of us. And it has to do with our motives and it has to do with our methodology and it has to do with our measurements, what we're doing, how we're going about doing it, and then why we're doing it. You see, if you go back and you listen or you think about these different aspects of becoming a hero maker as Jesus invested in the disciples who went around and invested other people's not caring most about themselves but caring about the needs of other people I've thought about the apostle Paul the once great persecutor of the church who was literally he was handing over Christians to be killed and instead he God used him to bring more people into the kingdom maybe more more through Paul than through any single person that has ever existed But God will use us when we shift our focus from ourselves to other people. And I promise when we do that, when you do that, we will grow along the way. God will do a work inside of your heart and inside of your life. When our focus goes outward, he also works to clean the inside too. So that we never have to receive the indictment that Jesus gave to the Pharisees when he says, outside you look like pretty cups. But inside, you're just whitewashed tombs. Inside, you're dead. On the outside, you look nice and clean, and everybody would kind of be envious of you. But when we really get to know on the inside, there's decay, and there's death, and there's heartache, and there's disobedience, and there's anger, and there's all this ugly, ugly stuff. But what we see the power of Jesus is that when our lives are transformed, we're shifted from from the inside out. So as we think and see and share and count and bless, we start thinking about other people before we think of ourselves. In one of the first weeks, we talked about thinking like a hero maker, and I gave you guys all napkins if you were here, and I said, write on there your dream for your faith, what God has for you, and we passed out these little napkins, these little drink napkins, and, and you wrote on there what they were, and then I said, now take that dream and multiply it by 100, And then it's like, whoa. But then we're thinking about what does God want for us to do? And how is God calling for you to think about your faith and how you're going to grow and how you're going to help us here or whatever church you're a part of, how God's going to help the kingdom of God advance because you're one of his children. The thing that I wrote down, and I meant to grab it out of my my office, but I forget, uh, is I wrote on my napkin, I just wrote CPCC times three that we can triple the impact that we have as the church, both people that come here and that people that we send out, both through the missions that we support and the influence that we have all over the place, that we have this big God-sized vision where it's not just about maintaining or doing, but it's about doing what Jesus has called for us to do. It wasn't that long ago, um, every, uh, it's right around, usually, it's always the second Sunday in, uh, when is the Masters? Do you guys remember any golf? Phil, April, and it's, we always have a board meeting because it's the second Sunday of the month. We have a leadership meeting, and I, the, the month just forgot. I have a hard enough time remembering what month it is currently, so trying to recall other stuff. But always around the Masters and Augustus, there's this great big fanfare that happens, and there's this big event, people that love golf, they want to go to the Masters. And what happened, they have this par three tournament that the kind of the old timers come back and they play at, and then they have their caddies. And, and what happened, uh, I'll show you this picture from Twitter. It's my favorite of all the social media stuff. That's one I waste the most time on. That's all that that really means, <laughs> is that Jack Nicholas, the great golfer, put this up. And I'll show you a video of what happened. I just want to kind of set the stage for this. 
He said, with all due respect to the Masters, allow me to put my six green jackets, his championships from the Masters, which you get when you win the tournament, green jacket. He said, with all due respect to the Masters, let me put my six green jackets in the closet for a moment and say that I don't know if I've had a more special day on the golf course to have your grandson make his very first hole-in-one on this stage at the par-3 tournament leading up to the Masters the week of that. He said, wow, family, memory of a lifetime. But I want you to see this event unfold where Jack's grandson is serving as his caddy. He's figured out that he doesn't need to swing at it as hard as he can. <laughs> a good-looking practice swing. He, he only needs to swing about 120 miles an hour. That's, that's a good speed for him. Friends, that, that video embodies what it's all about. That embodies all of what this hero maker idea, this, this process that Jesus, Jesus gave us, this way that we go about living our faith. It's not about ourselves and our accomplishments, but it's about how we invest in those around us and how we celebrate with those around us. Perhaps the greatest golfer of all time said, with all due respect to the Masters and my six championships there, my best day on the golf course is playing in a par three tournament that didn't really matter, that I'm not winning any money in, but that my grandson was with me and he took a shot and he got a hole in one. And he celebrated more then than maybe he ever had before Now, I imagine when he won his six Masters, he thought, it's not going to get any better than this. It's not going to get any better than this. Four is not going to be any better than three. Or, and it just got better and better until it was culminated, until he finally got an idea of what his best day on the golf course was, was just playing for fun and having his grandson take the shot of a lifetime. And you see their excitement, and that's the excitement that we are to have when we invest in others. When my faith becomes not about me and what I want and what I prefer, but how God is going to use you and use me to pour into others so that when they celebrate, we celebrate. And we're right alongside them the whole way. So a couple challenges for us in thinking about becoming hero makers and serving as hero makers and investing in other people. And I told you it has to do with, with motives and methodology methodology and measurement. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you want to follow along. I'm just going to read probably verses 6 through 8. But that whole chapter is this great picture of Jesus and the humility that Jesus has. One of the first classes that I took when I went to Atlanta Christian College, uh, Y. Huxford was the professor, and he had us, it was biblical theology, he had us memorize a different passage of scripture, not a verse, but a passage of scripture every week. And we had to come into class and he gave us a blank sheet of paper with lines on it. We wrote what translation we memorized it in and then we wrote it out word for word with all of the punctuation and everything that you missed, you got a point off for. 
One of the first ones that we memorized, and this is when I was going on about 15 years ago, was Philippians 2, 5 to 11. And on good days, and most days, I can still recite that to you. Now, I wish that I could tell you that the semester is 16 weeks long. I wish I could tell you I still remembered all the other passages of Scripture as well as I remember this first one, but, but I don't. I remember vaguely some of them, but this is one maybe because it was the first one. But it stuck with me, and it is still there, and I still, uh, this is the biggest passage of Scripture that I know well, and I feel like I need to know, need to know more than that. I say that out loud just to say I need to have more of, of this and here. And <laughs> but when we have this picture of Jesus, his humility on example, when we think about motives, and then the first part of our hero-making challenge is that I want my motive, my only motive, our only motive should be advancing the kingdom of God. That is the motive that we have, is advancing the kingdom of God. And if I share with you Jesus' motives, verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. How? By become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? For the glory of God the Father. If I say that our only motive as we want to, we strive to become hero makers as so many in the faith that have gone before us were because that's the calling that Jesus has for us. Jesus' motives come right here from Philippians chapter 2. Though he was in the form of God, did not he didn't think equality of God was something that he could just grab a hold of. He used that to his advantage. But he emptied himself, and he take on the form of a servant. That servant form, what was that? What did that look like? What did that sound like? Well, it didn't sound like you and me as much, but it looked like us. He became a person, and he took on a body, and he lived a life filled with heartache, filled with people letting you down, filled with excitements, and filled with joys, and filled with good things, and filled with bad things, and filled with in-between things. Being God, he didn't think too much of himself to say, ah, I don't really want to do that. They don't deserve it. And we didn't, but Jesus was willing to come anyway. His motives, his only motive, if we remember, is, is we read the Gospels and we have this story of Jesus told to us. The night before Jesus or the night that he was betrayed, he's praying in the garden with his followers and Judas comes and he turns Jesus over. But that night Jesus was praying, he asks his father, he says, if there is any other way, let it happen that way. I would prefer this not to be it, but not my will be done, but your. Now, sometimes I know for me that can become a phrase that I say in my prayers. God, here's what I want, but not my will be done, be your, but yours. But I'd really prefer it if it was mine. It's kind of the, the footnote, the kind of asterisk that we put in there on our prayers. But to really live and to pray and to encourage others the way that Jesus did. But Father, it's not about me, it's about others. God, it's about how you will change the lives of others through the sacrifices that we are willing to make. 
so that more people can be included, that more people can be a part of the kingdom, that our only motive is that the kingdom of God is advanced. And honestly, friends, that's kind of an arrogant thing to say, isn't it? I'm God, I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. But really, we're not doing it by our power, or our measure, or what we have thought of. We're doing it because the power of God is in us as the church. Because the church is always and has always been God's plan. And as you and I, as followers of Jesus, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. We will be able to accomplish things that seem impossible that we would not be able to do apart from God leading us and directing us and guiding us from his word. Our only motive should be what? That the kingdom of God is advanced. Not my little kingdom, not where Albert preaches in Ghana and all over the country, not just where Jason is in Noonan with Clint and his crew, not just where Keith is reaching in Douglas County or Jeff Hughes in FCA or Fullerville Mission or Jesus place or any of the other places, but so that not those little kingdoms, but that the big capital K kingdom of God advances. That is our outcome. Well, if we want the kingdom of God to advance, we want the kingdom of God to grow. What does the kingdom of God consist of? Does it consist of metals? Does it consist of places? Does it consist of, well, it consists of you and <laughs> you. You and all of us. When the kingdom of God advances through seemingly insignificant things like maybe a truck that Albert could use to reach a people group that don't have Jesus, the kingdom of God grows because the kingdom of God is about his children and it is about his people. So if we make it about our mission to see not our little place here, not only, but as we grow and when we grow, the kingdom of God advances and grows and more people are here to borrow a phrase from our Sunday school lesson this morning that hell is emptier because we are a part of the kingdom. Friends, that's an encouraging message about the kingdom of God advancing and that's where our motives should lie. Second challenge has to do with our methodology. Let's say it this way, that my missional method is multiplication and not addition. Missional is kind of a word that gets tossed around a lot in churches lately anyway, but our mission is so that to Jesus, the same as Jesus, to seek and save the lost. To take what is lost and to bring it, to make it found. To take what is in the darkness and to bring it into the light. To take what is dead and to give it life so that more people can be found. And so it's not just about the kingdom of God and, and his math isn't just addition and more people coming in, but it's about multiplication. It's about a contagious movement that we can make, maybe not just from that one big, huge victory, but God will give us some of those. But as we are, are willing and aware and we have our eyes open and we celebrate the seemingly smaller things that we see God doing, the victories in our lives, the victories in our groups, the victories in our classes, the victories in our relationships together, when we're growing closer to one another, as we're growing closer to God, and as we celebrate those things and we get this momentum and we have this snowball effect and then it keeps going and we can't help but talk about it, what we'll see is that God will do far more than ever I could ask or imagine. The Apostle Paul said that to the church in the city of Ephesus. And God will do more than I could ever ask or imagine. And I don't know about you, but I've kind of been around the church for a while. And when that happens, if I'm not careful, I can go, yeah, I know the stories. Most of them anyway. 
I know the things I'm supposed to do. I know mostly the things I'm not supposed to do. But when I become, if I become complacent in my faith and what I believe and that I'm not still actively seeking after God, that I grow and that I'm allowing other Christians to sharpen me in my faith, that I lose sense of what we are called to do and what Jesus wants for all of us to do together as the church, it's easy just to kind of hit the maintenance mode or hit the cruise control button on our car, let's just go. But life is not made to be lived that way for long seasons. Now, maybe you're in a time of your life when it comes to your faith where all you can do is but to get by right now, and we have those moments in our lives, and we go through those seasons, but those aren't places where God created us to live all the time. That's why God gave us each other. That's why God gave us his word. That's why God gave us encouragement through other believers. But we want to make sure that our method, how we're going about accomplishing the mission of God, that we are focused on, that we are to seek and save the lost, that we train up that next level of believers, that next level of leaders who is going to be here and around with us as a church, sustaining and, and continuing on the work that God has for us to do. That we won't be able to do anything other than look back at the end of our lives and we go, <laughs> I can't believe God used me to do that. That God allowed me to be a part of what he was doing in Carroll County or Harrison County, wherever it is you're from, to look back and say, God, that's the only answer. That's the only way that we can describe why I lived my life the way that I did. How we were able to accomplish and reach more people in a world that looks less and less and less like Jesus every day, that acts less like Jesus, that sounds less like Jesus. We're making sure that our method stays, that we stay on point with what Jesus called for us to do. Jesus said he did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The last part of our Hero Maker Challenge has to do with our, our measurement. That my measure of success is to send people, not to create a crowd. Think about that. We want our measure of success is to send people, not create a crowd. Now, all of us, and I think you'd be in the same boat with me, we want more people here. We want you to be less comfortable in church. Like You have to like rub shoulders with people because there are more people in here in this place, and we want for that to happen. But it's not just about the people that we draw in. It's not just about drawing a crowd, but it's about who we send out and how we're sending people out from this place, how we are encouraged, how we are blessed, how we are challenged because we are part of the church as we come together. But it's not just about what we do here, but it's about what we do as we send ourselves out to let more people know about Jesus and how they are loved and how they are cared for. That's why what we do as the church matters. That's why what we believe, that's why knowing Paul's encouragement and his treaty on, on joy from Philippians, that's why it's important to know that that's there in Scripture so that when you're not having that joyful season in life that you can turn it and you can read it and you can be reminded that from prison Paul penned this letter. And then suddenly as we're reminded the context of Scripture and all the things that were going around these believers in their stories of their lives, our problems seem a lot less um, daunting and that we realize the problems that we have are not isolated to ourselves but that so many that have come before us and those that are walking alongside us in our faith right now can help us and God put them in our lives to help us if our motives are as Jesus motives
to not think too much of ourselves, but to take on the nature of a servant. Imagine the difference that you alone can make in your family. Even if everybody else is a great big huge jerk, what if you can make the difference? That doesn't apply to anybody's family here. That's just an extreme example, okay? (laughs) But how difference can we make? We cannot control other people. That's not my job. That's not your job. My job is to be obedient to the one who sent his son to die for me and to use that influence, to leverage that influence for more, more for the kingdom, more people to populate heaven, and less people suffering in eternity without God. That is why we jump up and down and we cheer and we say that my best day in the church wasn't when I accomplished something. The stories that I think God wants to tell through you isn't what you do, but it's through those that you are raising. Maybe your kids, maybe your grandkids, maybe a nephew, maybe somebody you're not biologically related to, but through the blood of Jesus that we are connected in that the best thing that you could do for the church is your investment in someone else. And I think as we get to the end of our life, we'll recognize as as Jack did, my best days are when I celebrate the victories that those I care the most about have. And not about stuff that ultimately doesn't matter, like a hole-in-one on a golf course. I went golfing twice over the last couple of weeks. Didn't even come close to anything like that. I don't think I ever will. If you see me play golf, <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> but celebrating what God wants to do through us in spite of how, how we mess up and how we, we lose focus and we lose attention, but how God still wants us to grow and to use this as a catalyst to help others to grow in their faith. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we are, are grateful. I am grateful for the sacrifice that you gave for us. Father, the example that you gave us, you did not just give us an empty command, God, but you lived out, you embodied every part of it. God, you showed us the way and you told us the way and you keep pointing us all along the way and you, God, are with us. Father, I pray that we listen. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hands to go and to do the work of the kingdom that you've given to us. Father, may our greatest investment be in others. And God, as we do that, we'll reap the enormous benefits of the unprecedented growth that we will have in our faith because we are willing to serve others. Father, I am grateful for you and for this place and the ability that we have to come together to worship you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray all of these things. Amen.